Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host, as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host, Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC Vegas 18, Alistair Overeem versus Alexander Volkov. And Shaq, it's going down tomorrow, Saturday night in Las Vegas, Nevada. We're out of Fire Island. We're back in the apex. we got a heavyweight main event. And man, the winner might get a title shot against uh, Stipe and Francis. Alistair Overeem, in my opinion, is a top five all-time heavyweight, one of the greatest heavyweights to ever do it, Strike Force champ, Dream champ, K1 champ. Hasn't been able to get that UFC belt, but he's still fighting, man. He's still at the top of his game, beating these young guys like Pavlovich, Sakai, Walt Harris. So what he's been able to do is remarkable, in my opinion. And Volkov, one of the tallest heavyweights on the roster, if not the tallest, right? He might be the tallest. Oh, yeah. Besides Struve. Yeah, Struve. Uh, but he's kind of like, you know, in and out. But Volkov, he gained a lot of weight his last fight, looked the best he ever has. I'm interested to see how he builds off that. We know he's got a lot of talent, got some good wins on his resume. Let's see what happens. Yeah, no, I'm glad you brought up the weight thing because I was going to wait till my main event breakdown to bring that up. But let's go ahead and knock it out because Volkov, historically speaking, weighs in in, you know, the 240s or so because he's always been like a mover. You know, he's got a very good volume style. He moves a lot. And that last fight, he goes in there. He weighs in at the limit, 265 pounds, Shaq. And I thought, oh, man, you know, the quarantine got to my boy Volkov. He put on 20 pounds. And for a mover, I thought that that wasn't the way to go. Turns out it was the way to go because now he's sitting down on his punches. And I think we might start seeing uh, some more one-punch knockouts uh, from Volkov, uh, you know, here to come, man. 100%. And he's already got over 20 knockouts, if I'm not mistaken. So, Yeah, definitely. Well, Shaq, uh, let's, uh, before, before, we break up, before we break down this whole card, start to finish, we got to let everyone know that the official electric trimmer of the UFC, Manscaped, not only are, pre- are the presenting sponsor of this podcast, Half the Battle, but they also sponsor multiple UFC stars, including Max Holloway, Francis Ngannou, and Sugar Sean O'Malley. Manscaped is here to ensure your favorite fighter doesn't miss weight because of their pubes. And I personally like it because just like Kevin Holland, you got to be ready for those short notice opportunities, Shaq. And you know that uh, when the opportunity calls, you can't be like, hey, g- give me five minutes. You got to be ready to go right then and there. That's where Manscaped comes in. And Manscaped is changing the grooming game with their Perfect Package 3.0. The Perfect Package 3.0 includes their premier the lawnmower 3.0 trimmer and this ceramic blade and skin safe technology are designed to reduce nicks or tugs on your fellows down below for all our international listeners out there they just launched their life-changing products in the uk australia new zealand canada and the eu time to hop on the manscape movement inside the perfect package 3.0 you'll also get the crop reserver deodorant for below the belt it's anti-chafing and moisturizing you'll also find the crop reviver toner which is an aloe vera infused cologne for below the belt and for a limited time subscribers get not one but two free gifts the shed travel bag which is a 39 dollars value and the patented high performance anti-chafing manscaped boxers you get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code battle 20 at manscaped.com uh, make sure you guys type that in, all caps, BATTLE20. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code BATTLE20 at manscaped.com. And uh, your balls will thank you, Shaq. I agree 100%. Your balls will thank you. I mean, There's nothing better than, than feeling good, balls feeling good. You just perform good in all aspects of life after that, man. You know, you don't want to have sweaty balls. 
Damn right. And this, this is the lawnmower 3.0. This thing's fucking amazing. You see that LED light. So it doesn't matter. You got a power outage, whatever the case is. There's no more excuses when uh, you're using Manscaped products. So make sure you all go to manscaped.com. Use that promo code BATTLE20, all caps BATTLE20, for 20% off and free shipping. Well, Shaq, let's get right down to business because first up, in the 145-pound division, we got two flyweights fighting at 45s because we got O'Day Osborne. He's 8-3, and three, and Jerome Rivera is 10-4. and four. Currently, they got O'Day Osborne minus 210. The comeback on Jerome Rivera is plus 175. So, Shaq, this is, uh, this is interesting because I would actually compare um, O'Day Osborne to someone who was one of my favorite fighters for a while, who's not currently in the UFC anymore, but they have such a similar style. And that's actually Yuri Alcantara. And I, I just feel like certain guys are going to get blown out the water by O'Day Osborne. And I really feel like Jerome Rivera is one of those guys, Shaq. Uh, I, I look, I respect Rivera. He's very tall for the flyweight division. I know this is a, at 145 pounds, but, you know, these are two flyweights. You know, a 5'10", 5'11", flyweight. He's very big. He's got some decent volume. He's a tough guy. But, you know, we, we were kind of saying we weren't sure if he was ready for the UFC level, and I think it's been proven that he's not. I thought he lost his contender series fight to Lazy Boy Rodriguez. I saw him get knocked out by Tyson Nam. He definitely lost to Francisco Figueredo. Now he's got another athletic guy in Ode Osborne in front of him. And the biggest issue with Ode is his takedown defense. You know, sometimes he likes to submit people off his back. You know how many takedowns uh, Jerome Rivera's landed in all three of his octagon appearances? Zero. So I, I think that Ode Osborne is going to light this guy up, maybe even put him away. But if it goes the distance, I got Ode as well. I just think he's uh, the much better athlete here. And I think with a year off, we might see an even better and improved version of him. So I'm going Ode Osborne, Shaq. Yeah, I agree. I think Ode Osborne might have got into the UFC a little bit prematurely and got a very tough test for his debut just based off what he showed on contender series that speed that power that athleticism and I, and I think they rushed him a little bit Brian Kelleher is a guy who's got wins over Burrell got wins over two wins over um Julio Ars um I mean Keller is a tough guy I know you remember that Hunter Azor knockout Hunter Hunter Azor was out on that canvas so, so uh, there's no shame in losing that fight, in my opinion, to O'Day Osborne. If you're going to take your first L in the UFC, I think that's respectable. Jerome Rivera, I don't think he sucks. Long, tall, flyweight, fighting at 45s. I just think that he lacks that fire. I think he hesitates. He second-guesses himself. It's a mental thing. Uh, you know, look, O'Day, yeah, he might not be all that good, but I think there's going to be some improvement. He's hungry coming off this one-year layoff. Jerome Rivera just doesn't have that it. There's nothing great about his game. Even in that Figueredo fight, there was moments where Figueredo was starting to get a little tired and he could have possibly capitalized on some things. But then he, you know, jumps guard and goes to his back and <laughs> goes for leg locks. And it, it just, uh, I, I just don't think this kid's ready for the UFC. I agree. So I'm going O'Day Osborne, whether it's a decision. We'll see how that cardio holds up, but I, I see him winning this fight. And next up, also in the featherweight division, we got a matchup between Timor Valiev. He's 16 and 3, and Martin the Spartan Day is 8 and 5. Currently, they got Timor Valiev. Depends where you look. I see th minus 350 in one spot. I see minus 425, but you know, around that range. Uh, and the comeback on Martin Day is everywhere from plus 260 to plus uh, 320. So. Short notice fight for Martin Day. I mean, look, he's a Hawaiian warrior. I got to give him a lot of credit. Um, he's not going to go down without a fight. He'll definitely go out on a shield. Decent striker. I think his takedown defense has been improving. 
But that that being said, there's still certain elements to his game missing, and I think that's in the decision-making, the process, the fight IQ. I'm not sure it's quite there. And with Timur Valiev, when you talk about an upset, you talk about Timur Valiev's UFC debut. And I'm not just saying that because Timur was the favorite and um, Trevin Jones was the underdog. I'm saying it because you watch that fight, and it's like clear as day that Timur Valiev was the better fighter. And if they were to rematch, which would never happen, but just saying if they were to fight again, it's not a situation where I'd be like, hey, you know what? Maybe the line should have been flipped. It's a situation where I'd pick Timur Valiev again if they fought. So, man, I think, you know, when you tee off on a guy to a point where, uh, you know, you fatigue yourself, that's something you can learn from in the gym, especially when you got a trainer like Mark Henry behind you. He's going to come back better. You've seen what he does uh, after losses. Martin Day, much respect. And I think they'll give him another shot after this. I know it's going to be four straight L's, but do you remember when Russell Doan stepped up on short notice to fight Mirsad Bektik the same night that Dan Henderson fought Bisbing the second time in the UK? So he stepped up on like a week or two short notice, got choked out in the first round. They gave him another opportunity versus Quan Ho Kwok. So I think because Martin Day stepped up on short notice, you know, take this L. We'll give you one more shot after this, but I'm going Team More Valiev. I think he's more dynamic. I think he's more well-rounded. I just think he's better. So I, I got Team More Valiev here, Shaq. Well, actually, man, Martin Day, he made a post on his Instagram saying this is it. So this it comes down to this fight, win or lose. He, he said on his Instagram, this is the last fight on the contract. This was the extra fight. They were going to cut him already. So, uh, yeah, I got Valiev in this spot. I think that fight with Trevor Jones was just a case of he got gassed out trying to finish him. It happens. We've seen that happen several times in the UFC where guys have big first rounds and use all their energy trying to finish and have nothing left and, and get knocked out. You're more prone to getting knocked out when you're absolutely gassed. Shout out to Trevor Jones for, for withstanding that beating. I'm, let's just be honest, that fight could have got stopped for in, Timor, in Timor's way a couple times, I thought. But you know, uh, Tyone was out there, and <laughs> Tyone doesn't. Tyone yeah, doesn't on the over. For, for <laughs> you know, Tyone lets you die in there. So, uh, I got Timor. I I think you're gonna see more of a Russian coast style this fight. You know, more volumes with the kicks. Keep it simple with the boxing. Day has dropped guys before. He did drop Davy Grant. And Timor is a little chinny. I guess, but I think I see him winning this fight by being safe, being smart. The Russian coast, 30-27. I'll kick this guy, take him down when possible, clinch him, and, and I see him getting this one. Now, also in the featherweight division, we got three straight featherweight fights. We got Yusef, the Moroccan Devil Zalal. He's ten and three. He's taking on Sungwoo Choi, who's eight and three. Currently, they got Yusuf Zalal minus 245. The comeback on Sungwoo Choi is plus 205. So initially opened minus 150 Zalal. Um, now it's, uh, you know, almost minus 250. So it moved a full dollar in the direction of Zalal. A lot of faith in him. Uh, we successfully faded Zalal's last fight against Taporia. This is a different opponent here. But I got to say this about Choi, Shaq. I mean, you know, it, you get the call that finally you're making your UFC debut. You've worked so hard for this opportunity. And they're like, hey, uh. Why don't you fight Movsar Evloya for your UFC debut? You know what I mean? And then right after that, it's like, here's Gavin Tucker. You know, Gavin Tucker is now fighting Cub Swanson. So we had to fight two borderline top 15 guys um, in his first two fights. Then you put him in there with a lesser opponent in Suman, and he handled him accordingly. I thought he beat the shit out of Suman. And before someone says, well, a uh, Sodiq knocked out uh, <laughs> Suman in the first round, and this guy went the distance with him. Look, 
so Deke did get the stoppage. However, I mean, it's not like uh, Suman went out or anything. The ref kind of went in there and, you know, said no more. It was a standing TKO. I think that Suman is a very durable guy. That's the only thing he's got going for him. He's good at getting his ass whooped. So I'm not holding it against Choi that he won a three-round decision. But that being said, Shaq, uh, I did like the Anglin matchup a lot more for Choi. I, I thought Choi was going to whoop on Colin Anglin. This is a much tougher fight. So I agree with Yusuf being favored. The question is, do you agree with him being favored to this extent? Yeah, it's tough. Choi, like you said, he did have the two tough matchups right out the gates. No shame in losing those in hindsight. Fight with Suman was good, but Suman's a complete can. So it's tough to say. And he did get rocked in the third round in that fight. I think Choi has some uh, has some good physical attributes, range, length. I mean, physical technique in the technique muay thai kickboxing technique i mean he is solid 100 percent and i i i disagree with this line a little bit i think it should be a, a little closer to laws tough very uh, good footwork times the knees up the middle but the knees aren't going to be here in this fight with Choi's height and his distance I, it just comes down to a matter of toughness for Choi. like i know he's got the He's got the physical attributes. He's got the kickboxing. The grappling and clinch work uh, needs some work, but he's not going up against a black belt, Gavin Tucker or little Khabib Mavzar. So he, this is a, a fight a fight that he should. This is a fight on his level. We can't forget that Yusuf Zalal was on a winning streak, but in my opinion, before his last fight against Taporia, I said I consider that winning streak a little light in terms of one of them was against a guy named Peter Barrett. If, if he's not cut, I'm sure he's going to get cut very he's soon. Cut. Austin Lingo, very, you know, decent prospect. But Lingo only had like four or five fights, really hadn't seen against all cans up until that point. And Jordan Griffin, who, I mean, he's fighting for his job here, his next fight too. And he's, you know, so you get what, you get where I'm trying to go. I, I, I consider the winning streak a little light. I think if Choi is tough and, he, and after this year off, he's a little more confident. I do think this can be a live fight, man. I agree with Zalaw being favored. He's beaten more legit guys, 100%. He, Jordan Griffin, even though I, you know, I just said what I said, he is a, a decent, better than anyone Choi's beaten. So um, <clears throat> I'll pick Zalaw, but from a betting perspective, I think it's Choi or pass. I think it's you got to be looking on that side a little more with his physical attributes, his kickboxing, and the fact that he's not going to be having to stuff takedowns against the fence against elite-level scramblers like Mazvar, Gavin Tucker. I mean, we just saw what he did his last fight to Billy Q. I, I was like, damn, Gavin, uh, <laughs> Gavin's no slouch. So uh, I'll take Zalal by split decision, very close. I still have concerns about Choi's toughness. If he gets put on those spots against the fence, will he fold and get held against the fence? He struggles to get out the clinch, but we'll see, man. I think it's a dog or pass situation, though. So this is an interesting comment. They can't ever seem to get Zalal's odds right. And that, that's an interesting point because, I mean, the Austin Lingo fight, Austin Lingo was minus 500 in the opener against Zalal. The Jordan Griffin fight, they had it a pick em. I thought Zalal clearly won. The Barrett fight, they got that line right. Minus 320 Zalal, that was perfect. Then minus 270 Zalal against Taporia. That was a bit of a stretch, as uh, you saw. Now here again. Now, this time, I agree with the opener. Open minus 150 is the law. Look, if it's a pick em fight, I'm leaning towards the law. It's just when you're talking about, you know, a full extra dollar of value on Choi, now I'm kind of interested. Now it is a dogger pass situation. And I know that, you know, the, the criticism we have for Choi is his takedown defense, but 
the reality is, if you look at the numbers, man, he stuffed 11 takedowns versus Evloev, and he stuffed eight takedowns versus Gavin Tucker. So he did get taken down a good bit of time. He also stuffed a bit of st- uh, takedowns, too. I think his initial takedown defense is pretty damn good, and I think that those guys are much better than Zalal. So I see it being a close split decision type fight. So that being said, it's a dogger pass situation. I'll roll, I'll roll with Choi. But realistically, I, I I just I don't think he's going to come out here and dominate. I think it's going to be a very close fight that could go either way. But since I view it as that kind of fight, I'll go with Choi here. Now, next up in the flyweight division, we got Molly McCann. She's ten and three, and Laura Procopio is six and one. Currently, they got Molly McCann minus one forty five. The comeback on Laura Procopio is plus one twenty five. So Shaq, Molly opened minus four hundred. Now, interestingly enough. She opened minus 300 the last fight against Tyla. So uh, a lot of, I mean, the the oddsmakers love Molly. And I'm a fan of Molly, too. I mean, I know you remember when she cashed that underdog play against Lipsky for you. We were in person for that fight. And I think she's been making a lot of progress. I like her game a lot. The question is, h- how good is Procopio, actually? Um, here she's a Nova Uniao black belt. Now, let me ask you this, because I haven't really seen much of her jujitsu to be like, oh, this is some Mackenzie Dern or some, you know, some high level black belt but if you're a black belt from nova doesn't that mean that she got her black belt under uh andre pedineris or or is it someone else yeah she, not only is she a, a jiu-jitsu black belt or judo black belt as well but i think that's a common thing for for girls in that country brazil I, let's just be honest there they're all judo and brazilian jiu-jitsu <laughs> black belt so I'm, am I am I lying? <laughs> uh, under, the thing is under under Pedineris, like that's the guy that gave Aldo as black belt. Um, Barral, yeah, Leo uh, Santos, all these guys. He gave Pollyanna Botello one too. So, <laughs> <laughs> are you serious? She's black belt? <laughs> no, nah, I'm just kidding. But like, uh, it just depends. Um, yeah, Procopio, it's a, she's a little bit of a mystery to me. Um, because she didn't look bad against Carol Rosa. The volume was definitely there. She stood in the pocket, and Rosa's a big 35-er, so uh, she was outsized by a lot in that fight, and she held her own. In my opinion, it was a very good showing. She did have a little USADA hiccup. That's why she's been out for – for uh, that was that card. The last time she fought was a long time ago. So, um, But, yeah, McCann's got the better hands. My concern with Molly is she does struggle against these you know, Brazilian black belts sometimes. She lost to uh, Vanessa Mello back in the day. She lost to um, Tyler Santos, her last fight. The uh, Priscilla, she did get the win. That fight was in England. She she looked good in that fight. Lipsky, Lipsky's half Brazilian. She's uh, <laughs> half, half <laughs> Polish as well. But, but uh, man, it's a tough fight because I could see – Procopia, I don't know if she if she really is this credential Nova and Nova and Yao black belt judo black belt. Then it might be a tough fight for McCann. She has struggled with that in the past. Um, but if this fight stays on the feet, you got to favor Molly McCann. <clears throat> I don't know though. I, 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 Procopio is a little bit of a mystery to me. I'm gonna pick McCann. I think she's gonna land the harder shots. Kara Rosa did drop Procopio her last fight. And Tyler Santos, turns out Tyler Santos might actually be who we thought she was going to be. She's been, I mean, her last two fights, she hasn't lost a minute of those fights. She's been looking really good uh, since that fight against Mary Barella. So I'm going to go with Molly. I'm not ready to, I know she's, uh, Procopio's a very popular pick this week just because McCann did let a lot of people down against Tyler, but 
uh, I'm not ready to to say she's necessarily dropping two in a row yet. I mean, this ain't Tyla, first of all. And secondly, while there might be a chance that Procopio is this black belt whiz that we haven't seen yet, may- maybe that's the case because, again, you get a black belt under Andre Pedineris, and I respect that a lot. I just haven't seen it translate to MMA yet, Shaq, man. I mean, like, and I'll be 100% honest, not to discredit her performance against Hosa, which I felt like was a great fight. But I don't really know if I believe the numbers that that they're trying to say. You know, they're, they're saying that she went out there, landed 165 strikes against Carl Hosa. I, I'm not sure I buy that, Shaq. You got to understand as well, Rosa comes from that camp. They like eating shots. So uh, that Andrade camp, they, they, that's what they do. You know, that's what they do in practice. They just stand there and brawl. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, you're right. Hosa does eat a lot of shots. I, I just thought that number might have been a little like it was like that one fight between Jonathan Martinez and um, Frankie Signs, where they said in one of the rounds that Frankie Signs outstruck him 22 to like seven. And I was like, dude, what the fuck are you talking about? Martinez has been whooping his ass pillar to post. Like I saw Procopio get dropped in that fight. I was I was surprised it was a split decision. Um, So, look, I know people have the recency bias against McCann because she cost a lot of people in the Tyler fight. But again, this is not Tyler. You. Every fight is different. I think this is a winnable fight for Molly McCann. And she kind of reminds me of uh, like a female version, a UK female version of uh, one of the co-main event fighters, Frankie Edgar. She's got that good boxing volume style. She can now mix in takedowns too. Um, if you don't, if your takedown defense ain't on point, Molly McCann will pick you up and slam you. It's just she's got to be careful on these transitions on the map. But I think if she's, you know, if she's on her A game, if she comes in here and shows up, and I actually thought she showed up versus Tyla, just Tyla's, better than her everywhere it's just outgunned her i don't think that's going to be the case here man i'm going on uh, molly mccann via unanimous decision now speaking of the devil next up in the bantamweight division we got carl hosa she's 13 and 3 she's taking on jocelyn edwards la pantera she's 10 and 2 currently they got carl hosa minus 245 the comeback on jocelyn edwards is plus 205 so i guess i gotta know how high are you on rosa because look I know DraftKings players fucking love Rosa. She comes out there, her first two UFC fights, lands way over 100 significant strikes in both, gets over 100 points in both. But, Shaq, this is no longer a five foot three, you know, Vanessa Mello and, you know, and Procopio. This is actually, Jocelyn's actually bigger than Carl Hosa. And the biggest issue that uh, Jocelyn has is on the mat. You know, her wrestling definitely ain't the best. But Carol likes to bang with everyone. So, I mean, do you agree with Carl Hosa like being a minus two forty five favorite? Do you see her as this emerging prospect, or do you think this fight should be lined closer? Yeah, it was very unfortunate because I, I was looking to uh, bet Rosa against the former champion Mantegna. It's unfortunate Nico uh, pulled out once again. So yeah, Edwards step in. I, I, I've been actually, I've had my eye on Edwards for a while. I uh, she fought Alpar and LFA for the title. She lost. The grappling definitely was terrible. Clinch work terrible. Striking was on point. Um, just but just like you said, it's not Vanessa Mello and um, who, who's the other girl she fought? Um, and, and Procopio. It's definitely Yana and Wu. And, and and in my opinion, yeah, Edwards did look good, but Yan and Wu, in my opinion, doesn't belong in the UFC. She's just harmless, in my opinion. And I, I do agree with Carol Rosa being the size of uh, uh, this size favorite, at least two to one. You know, my, what is it now? Minus 250, somewhere like that. Maybe that is uh, at the threshold. But 
I see her winning this fight. I see her being the much more well-rounded fighter. I think Edwards has a very bright future ahead of her, but Carol Rosa did show she can mix in the takedowns her last fight against uh, Vanessa Mello and do work with the ground and pound. And out of all the girls from that camp, I feel like she mixes it up, at least has more weapons than just the hands. That inside low kick she got is money. And I know Edwards is a uh, is a, a kickboxer herself from Panama, but I see there being a big uh, edge when they tie up and get in the clinch and on the ground. I see Carol Rosa probably just having her way with her. Um, Yan and Wu took her down. There were some scrambles where Yan and Wu just got reversed, and, and Yan and Wu got beat up by Gina Mazzani. So there, it kind of really enough said and lost to uh, Mizuki, Mizuki Inouye, who was a straw weight. So Yan and Wu doesn't belong here. Uh, Jocelyn Edwards has a bright future, but I think this is a, 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 just a slight too much of a step up in competition. Carol Rosa, she does have her had had uh, has had her issues on the ground, but she's fighting a striker now, so I, I think that she's gonna be the more well-rounded fighter here and get the win. Real quick, before I get my breakdown of this fight, I just want to tell all our fans, our listeners, to please give us a like and a subscribe. It helps out the channel a lot. Now, Shaq, obviously. I love the fact that Carla Hosa can land that volume, and it wasn't a one-time thing. She did it twice in a row, even landed takedowns, like you said, and that's going to be important here because Jocelyn Edwards, look, she's big for the weight class, and she's one of these violent girls, man. You saw her last fight before her UFC debut, that finish she had. Uh, she comes to fight. I like her a lot, and I think she can develop into something down the line. It's just that 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 scene she comes from in, in, in you know, uh, Central America, right? Not South America. Central America, I believe. Uh, someone correct me if I'm wrong on that. Uh, it's Panama. Um, I, I haven't taken a geography class in like 20 years, but basically, I think down the line, she's going to project to be good. It's just that there's a lot of holes in her game that I think Carol is, you know, developed enough to the point where she can exploit those holes, like taking her down to the mat, stalling this one out, and not letting her, you know, reverse position or anything like that. Um, but I also think Carl Hosa can hang perfectly fine on the feet. You saw the kind of output she brings to the table, and she, her durability is on point, too. The times that she's lost, she's gotten, you know, caught with some submissions, and I think that not only has she been patching up that part of her game, but Jocelyn Edwards doesn't bring that threat to the table. So I respect uh, La Pantera. I think she's going to have a bright future. I think she'll go on to win some more fights down the line. Just not this one. I'm going to go with Carl Hosa to get it done. Most likely via a decision. Now, next up, we got an 160-pound catchweight between Justin, the guitar hero, James. He's 16 and 6. And Devante King Cage Smith is 10 and 2. Currently, they got Devante Smith minus 300. The comeback on Justin James is plus 250. So, Shaq, not only did you bet on... Um, Gabriel Mowgli Benitez, his last fight. You also said, look, I respect Justin James, but I think he might not belong at this level. Well, listen, Devontae Smith, one of the most promising prospects at one point, had a big setback, cost a lot of people a lot of money as a minus 1,000 favorite in 2019. That was a long time ago. It's 2021 now. You think Devontae Smith is going to get back on track here, use those calf kicks and time that, that money right hand? I do. I, I do believe so. Justin James, very exciting guy, comes out. I, let me let me take that back. I, I think he's UFC level for about three to five minutes. Um, <laughs> uh, once you get to the second round, he just seems to fall apart. His fight with Gavin Tucker, he looked good in the first drop, Gavin. 
But after that, he just got tired to a point where he couldn't even throw a punch. He couldn't even lift his hands up. So that was kind of alarming. Mowgli Benitez, no shame in that. I think both those guys are better than Devontae. And Devontae, we can't forget, he's had some – he's come a long way because, I don't know, I, I took a look at some of those old Ohio fights back uh, back in the day when he was uh, at Stipe's and, and, you know, he's come a long way because, I mean, he, we can't forget he's got a loss to John Gunther. Um, I don't know if you guys know my boy, John the Machine Gunther, but, you know. It was, <laughs> the you alpaca know, share. Alpaca, yeah, the alpaca share. Shout out to John. He actually got cut, but, you know, he defended one Davi Ramos choke. I got to give him uh, I gotta give him props for that. But, uh, yeah, I see Devontae winning this fight. There's just too many things going in his favor. James didn't have a training camp. I think as long as he doesn't stand there and isn't, I think his last fight against Kama Worthy, he was just looking like a deer in the headlights. I don't know what happened in the gym when him and Kama Worthy trained, but something had to happen because he just looked like a deer in headlights out there, was touching gloves and shaking hands in the middle of a fight. Maybe that switch up just threw him off mentally. He, I think that was maybe his second or third opponent was supposed to fight John McDessie, I believe. But we know John McDessie likes to uh, likes to hide occasionally. <laughs> so I think uh, I think he's gonna win this fight as long as he extends. Justin James doesn't stand there like he did his last fight. Actually, move, throw the calf kick. Get once he gets to the second round, this will be smooth sailing. Of course, just like I said, James does come heavy in those first few minutes. Does throw big bombs, but this ain't Frank Camacho. Frank Camacho's about to be on his way out of here as well. So. I got a Devonte Smith. Yeah, um, no doubt about it. Um, listen, Devonte Smith's got a very good calf kick game, and his game is pretty simple. I mean, we're, he's not going to come out here and throw something that's going to surprise us. We know Devonte Smith's game; it all revolves around that one-two. He's got a beautiful right hand that he uses to end a lot of his fights. He chops dudes down with calf kicks. He finds his range with that jab, and once he does bodies tend to hit the floor now I, I i feel you man i don't know what happened between him and comma worthy and i wish well let me say this firstly comma worthy i know he's been knocked out a lot but he's huge i know he, he somehow used to fight at 45 i don't fucking know how he's big for 55 and he's just a big boy with a big reach whereas justin james on the shorter side probably belongs at featherweight but i'm glad you brought up that mac Desi fight i'm really fucking glad you brought that up man because um God, I really wish Devontae Smith got to fight John McDessie. But you heard uh, who McDessie's fighting, right? He's fighting Bilal's uh, prodigy. Um, what's the kid's name? Ignacio. Um, Brajamundes, I think his name is. Ignacio, the kid on Contender Series. Oh, yeah, the, Me the, Mexican, the, Mex the Mexican kid. The striker, yeah, that kid. He's fighting John yeah, McDessie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. I like, that, right man. I like that, man. <laughs> By the way, you know McDessie? You know McDessie won't fight him, right? He's pulling out of that. You think he's pulling out? You know, kind of like he's. You think he's going to pull a Nico Montano? You know, two weeks after the fight gets announced, uh, cut, cut. So, yeah. no, a week, <laughs> probably a week out or a week or two out. Just you know, nah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, someone brought up a good point. Okay, this says uh, a torn Achilles is a hell of a thing to come back from. Yeah, Smith's. Uh, he dealt with a torn Achilles or a ruptured Achilles. I, I don't fucking know. I'm not a doctor. I just know he was in a boot for a long ass time. And not only that, man, he dealt with some personal shit outside the cage as well. Um. So, you know, our heart goes out to Smith for everything he's dealt with. Uh, but I, I think it's bounce back season, man. I mean, listen, 
Ryan James, just like we know what Smith's going to do, we know what Ryan James is going to do. He's going to come out here. He's going to try to throw big bombs. He's going to try to knock out Devontae Smith. Ryan James has won eight of his 16 wins via first-round knockout. So he's got a puncher's chance, no doubt about it. But there's an eight-inch reach advantage here for Devontae Smith, and his game revolves around his length. His game revolves around the jab, the calf kicks, the straight right. And having that size advantage is going to aid him here. Um, he didn't have an he didn't have no eight inch reach advantage over uh, Kama Worthy, my man. So, yeah, I, I got Devontae Smith here, second round knockout. Weather this early storm, and you win the fight. Shout out to Ryan. Shout out to Ryan James. I think you meant to say Justin, but you remember my boy Ryan James. <laughs> oh, my bad. Did I say that? That's fucking hilarious. Yeah, shout out to Ryan James. Remember when he knocked out Andrew Sanchez? No, that was like, he retired after that, man. Yeah, um, I mean, he was one of those dudes. He was like one of those scarecrow dudes that could eat your cleanest shot and just keep coming forward. It was crazy. It was scary, <laughs> man. Wouldn't want to see that guy on Halloween in a back alley. But Shaq, next up on the 205-pound division, we got slow Mike Rodriguez. He's 11-5, and he's taking on slow Danilo Marcus, who's 10-2. and two. Um, We're just going to call them both slow. Currently, they got Mike Rodriguez minus 235. The comeback on Danilo Marcus is plus 195. Shaq, look. Same with Khalil Roundtree. I feel like Mike Rodriguez falls right in that category. The guy's so talented. The guy's a great athlete. His striking can be so damn good. It's just there's something missing in the mental department. There's something missing with the ground game. If he doesn't get first-round knockouts, he tends to fold. It's just it's a really sad situation because, in my opinion, Shaq, I think he should be, I think he should be six and zero in the UFC. Um, but I thought he should have beat Devin Clark. I've never been high on Clark. I thought he should have beat John Alon. I thought he should have beat Dawin Jung. I thought he should have beat Ed Herman. And before someone says, oh, he did knock out Ed Herman. Listen, I do blame the ref. And the ref fucked that up. No doubt about it. But we're, and listen, you're, you're not going to get a disagreement with me about the ref. We all agree the ref fucked up. Let's put that on the side. That doesn't change the fact that Mike Rodriguez pulled one of the most epic stunts that we have ever seen in all our years watching this sport. Like, just because you finished Ed Herman once, the ref steps in, calls it a nut shot, go, go finish him again. Instead, Rodriguez, you saw what happened, got taken down, got submitted with a Kimura. Same Kimura that Jacare hit on Ed Herman back in Strike Force, by the way. But I wish I could trust Mike. I mean, I think Mike at his best, knocks out Marquez in the first round, maybe even knocks him out on a takedown attempt, elbows, you know, the Travis Brown bows, something like that, or he's so much faster, he's so much better. It's just that what's going to happen when Danilo Marquez gets this single leg and uh, takes his back? Then what? You know what I mean? So, you know, I, I think my boy Brian uh, Jameson said it well, another Emrod stun of the year. Look, I agree with Emrod being favored. Emrod should knock this guy out in the first round. And if he does, I won't be surprised. It's just, I also thought he should have knocked out Devin Clark in the first round. I also thought he should have knocked out John Alon in the first round. I also thought he should have knocked out Ed Herman in the first round. So I'm done with Roundtree. I'm done with Rodriguez. I'll just enjoy them fight. I'll go Danilo Marquez via first round submission. Yeah, man. I I thought you would take... Rodriguez, because I'm done with Rodriguez, man. I, I gave him, you know, first it was the John Alon where he was like minus 400. John Alon lost to Vinicius Marrera, and John Alon was out here taking this guy down and breaking him in the late rounds. Then Dao Eun Jung, who couldn't even beat Sam Alvey, I'm just kidding, who couldn't even beat Sam Alvey, 
Uh, Shout that's out facts. to Sam Alvey. He's got to <laughs> – I mean, he didn't beat him. Goes out there and starches him in, in less than a couple minutes. Then we fast forward that to Ed Herman. And, yeah, look, Tyone messed up, and Tyone messes up a lot. But it's all on Mike. If you, if you can't control that situation and just ride a minute out on top – to victory while you're beating Ed. Ed's been nearly finished a couple times, been hit with elbows. But every time he tries to finish, he backs off. I think it's a mental thing. And, and like you said, it's it's been happening not once, not twice, not three times. <laughs> I mean, it's a it's a continual thing. I just don't think he has it in him at this point. Danilo Marquez, look, yeah, he is slow. And, if, and Mike, he might accidentally knock him out. And when I say accidentally knock him out is, you know, he might counter – with a straight left and Danilo might, his head might be there and he might go down. But other than that, Danilo Marquez seems to be the much more aggressive guy. And, and yeah, Ibrahimov is a jobber and I'm sure he's probably cut already. But one thing I did like about that fight was them single legs. That drop down single he had, well, I, that was nice. That looked like a, a Brazilian Chris Weidman out there in my opinion with that uh with that single leg and he hopped on that back very quick. And we're talking about a six, six guy who's taller than Mike Rodriguez. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if he got on that back and, and maybe not submitted him, but absolutely drained him and, and just started slowly mentally breaking him for the, for the later rounds. I like the way he sucked it up. I know Ibrahimov is a gasser. And so definitely have to take that into account, but I think this line should be closer. How many times like, that that was the biggest stunt. I honestly think that was a bigger stunt than what Hardy pulled. Uh, I think that was a bigger stunt than what Sarah McMahon just pulled. Uh, uh, was it last week or a couple of weeks yeah, ago? Yeah. Um, I mean, that was one of the like that was bad. Like he literally, I mean, Ed's completely beaten up and literally yanks that Kimura like in <laughs> you know reverses you and it's over. Like that, that was sad. Mike Rodriguez, I don't I don't think we should I mean look, I feel sorry for the guy because yeah, he did technically TKO him. But we know what happens when we get in there. All type of BS could ensue possibly. We, we I mean, Herb Dean let Rebos get knocked out twice. Tyone can't get shit right. Herzog, we never know what he's gonna do. Chris Lee, I mean, it, it's crazy out there in Vegas. I mean, you know what I'm saying? So we know things are crazy out there. But I'm, I'm going with Danilo Marquez by decision. I think he's going to just get these single legs and drain Mike and, and just stay on to him like glue. And I just think this line's completely off. How many more times do we have to see? I know Danilo uh, didn't look the best, but he before that, I believe he was inactive for like a while, maybe like a couple of years, maybe even more than a couple of years. So um, we'll see what happens. And he's training at Kings now, too. So we'll see. I mean, you know, Master Rafael Cordero watched the footage on Rodriguez and was like, hey, Danila, just take this guy down. Like, make this easy yeah, just, for yourself. Just grab, let's just grab the single leg, buddy. Yeah. So let's see what happens. I mean, look, it's not going to surprise me if Rodriguez knocks him out. I know how talented Rodriguez is. This is not a surprise to me. But I also know what happens when he goes past round one, and I also know what kind of stunt puller he is, and I also know what happens when someone takes his back. So I think there's a dog or pass situation. Let's see what happens. Now, next up, we got the main card. We got a rematch six years in the making, Shaq, between Carlos Diego Ferreira. He's 17 and two. And Benil Benny Dariush is 19 and four. Currently, they got, wow, dead pick them. Minus 110 Dariush, minus 110 Ferreira. So the first fight, I got to tell you, was no pick them. It was 30 27 Dariush across the board. And not only that, Shaq, 
the fight was in Brazil of all places. So Benny goes down to Brazil, beats Diego there. But listen, since that point, both these guys, they they know what the ups and the downs are like of this sport, and they've rebounded nicely. And I know we can say that Benny reinvented himself, but I got to kind of preface that by saying, because reinventing yourself kind of implies that maybe he wasn't good at one point, but Benny's always been a badass. Like, I know I always talk about this every Benny fight, but I consider Benny to be a number five in the world in 2016 when he beat Michael Johnson. Johnson was the number five guy in the world. You beat the number five guy, you are the number five guy. So to me, he reached those kind of heights. He knows what it's like to be in the top five. Then he had that three-fight winless streak where it seemed like, man, because the way Benny fights, Benny Benny fights like a man. And, and when I say fights like a man, I just mean, you know, he, he puts his balls on the line every single time he fights. Benny is a violence fighter. It's funny because you hear the guy talk. He's like the nicest guy ever. But when you have a 20 fight UFC sample size or whatever the number is, and you fight the way Benny fights, not every fight is going to go your way. I mean, this is not a guy that plays it safe, man. This is a guy that's killer be killed. So the fact that he's had the kind of longevity he has, and now he's making another run, he picked himself back up. I got nothing but respect for him. And and same for Diego, the way he's evolved his boxing. Look, he always hit hard. He's always had that amazing jujitsu as well. But now he's going out there outpointing or outstriking guys like Taisumov on the feet, uh, destroying Anthony Pettis, beat Rustam Habilov. So I got so much respect for both these guys. And now I think that the line is appropriate at a pick That's where I had it. So I was initially going with Dariush because he was the dog. And I thought that it should have been a pick em. Now it is a pick em where, where it should be in my eyes. I'm going to still go with Dariush. Um, listen, I know there's a chance he can get caught the way he fights. There's a chance Diego, Diego can get caught too. But one thing I want to bring up is that that Rustam fight. So Diego did give up some takedowns there. But, you know, Rustam's kind of a meathead wrestler where, you know, he's not known for his jiu-jitsu. He's just known for his sambo, his wrestling. Whereas Benil, when he gets on top, he knows the proper positioning. He's not going to be out here giving up positions. I mean... I know you can bring up that Mike Chiesa fight, but I think Benny was on a big win streak. I think he was cocky. I think people at 155 kind of viewed Chiesa as a joke back then. I mean, you saw um, Anthony Pettis have all this inconsistency, and then he looks like a world champion against Chiesa. So Chiesa did the right call moving up to 70. And I think that he kind of caught Benny by surprise, taking his back. I think Benny was like, wait, you know, in, in training camp, he was probably like, there's no chance in hell Kiesa takes my back. I'm fucking Benil Dariush. I'm the guy that grappled Crone Gracie back in the day. So I think he was kind of, you know, he was beating up Kiesa. He got cocky. He got caught. Whereas in this fight, in the training camp, it's like, hey, we don't want to let a third-degree black belt like Diego take our back because if he does, it doesn't matter how good I am. This guy is one of the best on planet Earth. So I think he's ready for that area of the game. It's really, to me, about not getting knocked out. So I'm going to go with Benil here via decision. I think he can mix in takedowns, avoid the submission, and... Uh, Land, land some hard shots standing too. So I'll go Benil here. Yeah, man, this is a this is a great matchup because uh, Dara Yusha on that three fight winless streak, uh, that Dunham fight, you know, that was kind of a low point. Then the uh, Hernandez fight and the way he's rebounded since. It, I mean, he's been out here, you know, having spectacular spinning back fist KOs and uh, knocking out close stiff and. Uh, to Camacho fight. I mean, absolutely ran through him. Tiago Moises is looking good these days. Absolutely whooped his ass. So, uh, Benil Dariush, man, he might be, he, he should have been in one of the, in the talks for comeback fighter of the year, in my opinion, uh, last year. Um, cause I, at one point, I think we all thought he was done after that Alexander Hernandez fight. Um, 
Carlos Diego Ferreira, my goodness, man. This dude, in my opinion, I don't want to say the dark horse at 155 because I, I do have respect for Darius. But when I look at since that fight, and I really kind of don't even kind of almost like the Dustin Connor fight. I don't want to say I completely disregard that fight, but like Carlos Diego back then, man, it, it's just both of them, you know, just and but just more so Carlos Diego, in my opinion, is just a completely different fighter. The boxing, the footwork, the cardio, and the, the wrestling and the grappling. Uh, he doesn't make those mistakes that he once did. When dudes try to grapple him, it gets reversed easily. And and Darius, I think what he's done on the streak is very nice. But I still see signs of him tiring out in some of these fights. Even And one thing I want to say about this streak is I'm not convinced that even before, you know, his tough times that he wouldn't have not beaten all of these guys. You know, Scott Holtzman, I like the guy, but we can't forget he, he lost the fight to Nick Lentz. He got dropped by Dung Yan Ma because uh, I remember I bet on hot sauce. And, you know, I feel like those guys, these guys kind of fought like uh, – kind of fought like meatheads. Drew Dober had his opportunities to, to clip Darius's chin, but he kept uh, hanging around in the clinch. Uh, Frank Camacho, like I mentioned earlier, is on his way out, and I hate to discredit those wins. And the Jakar close fight, yeah, I know it's viewed as his big comeback, but he did win the first round easily, Darius, with the back control. And, I mean, he still almost got knocked out. So I just feel like Carlos Diego has been having way cleaner performances, even though Darius, these finishes are spectacular. I feel like Carlos Diego has been absolutely dominating these guys that, you know, Ruslan Kabilov, yeah, he's kind of, you know, was kind of washed out a little bit. But, I mean, just look at that record and nobody beats him on European turf. And Carlos Diego went out there and whooped his ass like it would. I mean, that fight wasn't close. I had a 30-27. Um, I forget what the scorecards were. But, I mean, Ruslan, his, his shots were, were stuffed easily in reverse, almost choked out. Then you go to Merbek Tysumov, this mythical creek, this mythical creature Tysumov. Oh my God, he's 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 gonna be the future world champion. Diego Ferreira just retired that guy. I don't even know if Tysumov's coming back. That's how that's how bad that ass whooping got, man. Diego Ferreira's footwork, his pressure, and I just feel like he has much more tighter defense boxing wise than Darius. Much more volume. Darius has the edge and the firepower with the one shots and the and the left kick, one hundred percent. But, man, I see if Diego stays on him with that footwork and and doesn't fight recklessly and just pick your shots the way you've been doing with these. I mean, just look at the way he uh, fought Pettis. I know Pettis is also a little bit washed out, but, I mean, there was no there was no sketchy moments in that fight at all. I mean, that was clean. That's what you call clean work right there, man. So I, I, I see Diego Ferrell. I got respect for Darius, man, but I, I think I see Diego Ferrer as somewhat of a, a little bit of a dark horse at 155. I, I think that he's got the volume, the footwork, the pressure, cardio, grappling. Um, I think he just needs to avoid that big left kick from Darius, the big shots, the spectacular uh, big moves that he has. I don't see I don't see Darius grappling him, man. I, I, I really don't. I think the guys that he's been fighting are just kind of meatheads. No offense to those guys, uh, Holtzman. Camacho and uh, these guys that he's been in, in close, these guys that he's been fighting. But man, I just feel like Diego Ferreira has made more improvements um, and is just a better fighter at this point. So I'm going Diego Ferreira to, to win these the last two rounds very decisively. Now, next up in the featherweight division, we got Cody Stamen. He's 19 and 3, and Asker Asker is 11 and 1. And not to be confused with Asker Asker, the flyweight contender, this is someone else. Cody Stamen's currently minus 485. The comeback on Askar Askar is plus 385. So 
man, making your USC debut on short notice against Cody Stammen, you know? So I'll say this, at least Cody isn't like known for, you know, knocking dudes the fuck out or choking dudes out in the first round. So it might not be brutal, but at the same time, Cody's such a winner. He's one of these guys that doesn't take any unnecessary risks. He's so disciplined with his striking. When he gets on top of you, you probably don't get back up. His takedown defense is seriously on point. I mean, you watch that fight against Brian Caraway when Brian Caraway lifted his leg up above his head and Car- and uh, Stamen was still balancing. It was like that um, that first uh, BJ Penn versus Matt Hughes fight. Like, insane. It was like last week with Tavares and Shoeface. Like, insane takedown defense by Cody Stamen. Um so here with Asker Asker, look, I, I like the guy. He's Palestinian, so that means he fights with a lot of spirit. Um, he's eleven and one. That's a good record. He's decently well rounded. Comes from Chicago, so you know he uh, he's probably friends with my boy uh, Bilal Muhammad. So I like Asker Asker. I think he'll win some UFC fights. But man, to take a UFC debut on short notice, and you consider the kind of competition Asker has been fighting outside the UFC, and it's like, hey, here's Cody Stamen. I mean, this is really, it's all about Cody Stamen not doing anything stupid. Like, you know, Cody was talking about coming out here and finishing this fight, which I think he can do. But it's like, Cody, you're, you're not really known for finishing too many fights. You're, mo- you're mostly known for dominating guys, winning decisions. Like, let's not fight uncharacteristic. So as long as Cody doesn't take too many unnecessary risks and leave himself open or something like that, which I don't see happening. I mean, it was Asker Asgar who was knocked out one fight ago by a six and two guy, Shaq. So... I got to go Stamen here. I think he has another dominant performance. Um, I think he definitely exceeds his price tag. I think if he looked better versus Jimmy, he'd be an even bigger favorite here. Like if he was just coming off the Kelleher fight and the Jimmy fight had never happened, Cody might be minus a thousand here. Same thing with Timur Valiev. If he had not come off that Trevin Jones fight and he was just making his UFC debut against Day, he'd be minus a thousand here too. So I I got Cody Stamen, my man. Um, It's just about, do you think he gets his first UFC finish or not? Yeah, he says he says that uh, finish thing all the time. So I wouldn't put a, <laughs> any, I wouldn't put any stock in that. Um, Cody's a point fighter, one of the best point fighters. Just a technical guy, like you said, not gonna take any risk. Gonna keep things very simple with the hands. Dump him when he can. Stay on top. Cody's well rounded. He's gonna he's gonna get the job done here. I, I, I like this guy, but he's in way over his head. Cody, it should be a nice little thirty twenty seven, maybe a, a twenty six. Uh, when, once Cody gets in there, he'll realize, okay, I, I can't lose to this guy. Let me just, you know, have my typical Cody Stamen uh, decision. <laughs> now we got to talk about the last four fights of the night. And next up, we got Pantoja and Cap. And before we talk about that, I got to let all our fans know to do us a favor, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. You help out the channel tremendously. We truly appreciate it. So next up in the flyweight division, we got Alexandre the Cannibal Pantoja. He's 22 and 5, and he's welcoming Manel Cap to the UFC, who's 15 and 4. I thought it was Cape, but it turns out it's Cap. Uh, <laughs> so you think, uh, well, currently they got Alexandre Pantoja minus 115. The comeback on Manel, no cap, is minus 105. Uh, Shaq, look. I like Manel Cap a lot. I mean, he's a serious knockout artist. And actually, you hear about his family lineage. Apparently, his dad was some beast boxer back in the day. So I like this guy. Knocks people out. He's brutal. He's resilient. I mean, I remember when he lost to Kai Asakura. And he comes back in the rematch, knocks him unconscious. So he's a guy I got a tremendous amount of respect for. But you know how much respect we have for Pantoja. And here's the thing with this fight. It's really all about Pantoja's approach here because... If Pantoja accepts the fact that, hey, 
I'm this serious jujitsu black belt, and I have such an advantage on the mat over this guy. Let's go ahead and take this to the mat, take his back, and, and finish the fight shortly after. It's just that it's not always that simple with Pantoja. He loves to brawl. And if he decides to brawl in this matchup, Shaq, I think he might get knocked out for the first time. I think those last three fights, we've been seeing Pantoja not look as good as he normally does. But that being said, can you please, like Alexandria, can, can you just take this guy down where, where you have a massive advantage? I'm, two years ago, I saw Olka Sasaki dominate Cap on the mat for three straight rounds like it was nothing. I mean, Sasaki was a guy, I mean, we can talk about Pantoja finishing Sasaki in the first round, but I don't, I don't care about MMA math. I'm just bringing up the point that Sasaki was a guy that couldn't hang in the UFC. Sasaki was a guy that barely, barely won fights in the UFC, and he goes out there, dominates Cap for three straight rounds. So I know Cap has gotten better. I know he's got knockout potential. It's just I cannot ignore uh, the big difference on the mat here. So I'm going to have to go Pantoja to get this down to the mat, get a submission. But, Shaq, if he decides to bang with Cap, there's a chance he gets knocked out for the first time in his UFC career. Yeah, this is a, a good fight. This is Interesting fight because. What up? Are we lost you. Well, you, uh, there you are. I see you now. You see me? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can't see myself though, but all right, whatever. Um, yeah, this is an interesting fight, man, because Manel Cape, like you said, these last three fights have he has looked really good because I'll tell you what, the, the previous fights Well, it looks like we just lost Shaq, but it's okay. He'll probably join back here in a second. I'm very curious to hear his take on uh, on this fight here with uh, Manel Cap and Alexandria Pantoja. Why don't you all let me know who y'all got in the fight? Because, um, again, can Pantoja win one of these exciting brawls he's been having with these other guys? Like, I personally don't think so. I think that's going to be kind of tough to do against Cap because what Cap is known for is he doesn't just knock guys out. He deads guys with one big shot. I mean, you watch that Kayasakura fight. You see what he did to Kea Mizugaki. You see what he did to these other guys on that Japanese scene. It's just the thing is, guys, that you know the, the ref doesn't have an earpiece here. Manel can't wear tennis shoes anymore. This is not in a ring anymore. This is in the octagon. So there's a lot of changes. It's just... um. Man, I wish Pantoja didn't eat so many clean shots. That's why, you know, I'm kind of hesitant. Like, I think he should be the favorite. It's just that I know that if Pantoja tries to bang with a guy like Manel Cap, that he's going to potentially get clipped. So that's that's my biggest concern here. Um, let me see what y'all are saying. So MVS Burner says Pantoja. And Mike says Cap based on line movement. So let me ask you this, uh, Mike. So based on line movement, so you're uh, so you agree with the public action is what you're saying. You think that because the public moved the line, that that's the right side. Interesting. Um, let's see. Snacks says cap. It's in his blood. You know, his dad was a fucking badass boxer. Apparently, back in the day, I didn't know that, that was the case. I mean, I don't know his dad's name, but apparently that's that's the word on the street. Um, 420 says cap was crucifixed by sasaki pantoja ran through sasaki and treated him like the fraud that he is yeah i mean that's facts um i know mma math you know doesn't really mean shit but that that is factual everything you said so aldo estrada says 50 50 and dk straight up bet on pantoja uh, yeah and the only thing man is i gotta say 
make sure you wait because all this action is coming in on cap. So, I mean, you can get a better line on uh, Pantoja if you wait. 420 says the return of Shaq will be legendary. I know. I'm, I'm anticipating it as well. I think he's coming back in right now. Let's see. What up, bro? You back? Yo, my bad. Lost connection there for a sec. Oh, it's um, all good, bro. Hey, so tell me, uh, you me who you got in this cap. Yeah, I can hear you fine. Tell me who you got in this cap and Pantoja fight. Hear you. Oh, you can't hear me. Well, shit. No, I can hear you now. All right. Yeah, I can hear you now. So cap and Pantoja. Yeah, so yeah, Manel Cape, like you said, these last three fights, he's been looking really good. Very improvements. I noticed Mike Swick is with him. I think he's with AKA now. So he switched camps because his previous three fights, yikes. Like you said, Saki took his back, dominated him 30-26, I not believe. The, uh, what's the guy's name? You mentioned him earlier. Um, he knocked him out in the rematch, that fight, which he lost. And then there was another fight, too, that he lost. So he had a bad stretch. But I feel like he was kind of misguided. He is from Angola, a small country. There was a cornerman that he had that I really didn't like. It was it was one of those bad cornermen that uh, you're like, Manel, you need to get away. You need to get away from this guy because he, you know, he's just saying crazy things. Him and Mike Brown actually got into it during the fight when uh, he fought Horiguda. It was actually pretty funny. So. But, yeah, I think Pantoja, look, he's got a big grappling edge here, and he needs to stay on Cape because Cape's one of one of the bigger flyweights that I've seen. Uh, he's going to be dropping down to 25s for the first time in a long time, so let's see how this weight cut goes. But if he makes this weight successfully, I see a bright future for this guy, Cape. It's just that I still question the level of competition, even on those last three wins, although he looked good. We're talking about Takeya Mizugaki, who, let's just be honest, uh, Daniel, towards the end of his career, everybody knocks out Takeya Mizugaki. <laughs> but, uh, but, I mean, you remember that fight he had with George Rupa? It was so bad that they cut him after it. <laughs> then, uh, then, then he fought the rematch. And, and McNell Cape is a lot better than those guys, a much better athlete. Now, Pantoja, let's just be honest here, he only lost to undefeated Askar Askarov, who Brandon, the assassin baby, couldn't even beat in his home country of Mexico. Look, I know most people think Moreno won that fight, but the facts are the facts. That His own country's judges did not score the fight for him. So, look, Askar Askarov's undefeated, and in my opinion, the number one contender at flyweight, about to fight Benavides. His other loss was to Davison Dusta Figueredo. Yeah, he lost every round, but it was a very good fight. A part of me still feels like this is a little too much of a step up in competition. And, and a lot of times, Daniel, we try to find the next best thing. Manel Cape's new. He's fresh. We've been wanting him in the UFC for a while. And everyone can – I see he's a popular pick this week. And, and, and we're just going to disregard the, the work that Pantoja has done in his career. I'm going to go with Pantoja. I still think Manel Cape can be exposed on the ground. Some of his antics in the fight – have cost him in the past with the hands down and screaming and he gets dropped. I still got to go with Pantoja. I still think he should be more of a favorite against Manel Cape. I think Manel Cape's got a bright future. It's just, look, there's a big difference fighting in the ring with shoes on and it's a big, uh, in comparison to the UFC. Um, you know, the ref ain't going to stop. The ref ain't going to stop you when y'all are out the ropes and, and, and bring you back in the middle. Um, and you're not fighting uh, 
an unathletic, weaker uh, South Korean or Je- a Japanese opponent now. Um, this is this is the real deal. This is Alexandre Pantoja. So I'm gonna go with Pantoja. I think he can expose Manel Cape on the ground, but like you said, he needs to he needs to not brawl. And I am concerned about the amount of damage Pantoja's been taking in these fights. And but a, another thing I wanted to say, I think he got a little distracted before the Askarov fight, and and I feel like it's uh, carrying over into the betting line. This fight, you know, if you can't, the Figueroa was kind of in limbo, like he tested positive for COVID, I think, or. Some rumor came out, and they were talking about Pantoja was gonna fight Benavides, and yeah. I think Pantoja got, I think Pantoja got sidetracked with that. I mean, he was, I remember he was making posts like, "Yeah, I'm about to fight, I'm about to fight for the belt," and it's like, "Nah, bro, you still got to fight Askar, who's no slouch at all. Like Askarov can grapple, man." So, um, I think that I'm gonna go with Pantoja here. I think he got sidetracked a little bit the last fight, and he's never lost two in a row, so. Yeah, good points. I wanted to respond to a comment. KD says, Pantoja eats clean shots against Figgy. Cap hits harder than Figgy. If he gets rocked, it probably just gets him to grapple. So let's uh, let's examine what you just said. So Pantoja eats clean shots against Figgy. Fact. Cap, you're asking, does Cap hit harder than Figgy? Look, I, I don't really think it's about hitting harder or not hitting harder. To me, it's more about Pantoja takes a lot of damage every fight and eventually is going to catch up to you. Just kind of like, you know, Dan Hooker could eat every single shot from Dustin Poirier for five straight rounds. And then he goes down to the, to the first punch against Mike Chandler. Like eventually your durability wanes. That's why I'm bringing up the fact that, you know, if Pantoja comes out here and brawls, eventually someone's going to put him down. So, I get your point, man, but to me, it's you know, it's about accumulation. That being said, get this to the mat, and maybe you won't have to worry about that. So yeah, I, I'm going Pantoja. Let's see, let's see who the better man is on the night. Now, next up, we got the featured bout in the lightweight division. We got Michael Johnson, MJ, the menace. He's 19 and 16, Shaq. And Clay the Carpenter Guida is 35 and 20. Currently, they got Michael Johnson minus 225 to come back on Clay Guida's plus 185. I mean, dude, another Michael Johnson fight. So he's better than Clay Guida. He's faster than Clay Guida. He's beat better people than Clay Guida. Um, it's just what's going to happen when he lights up Clay Guida and then he gets taken down and the, the legs start getting laced up. And then you're like, MJ, get up. MJ, wait. MJ, please. MJ, no. So, I mean, it's like I know how good Michael can be. It's just like, you know. Is he going to pull a stunt here? We got to talk like this. He's a minus 225 favorite, Shaq. Yeah, man. I, I just want to get more off the talk of how good he can be. Look, he ain't never getting to that point ever again. And he and it's been like that for a long time. I mean, he lost to Darren Elkins, who he was much faster than. He got knocked out against Josh Emmett. He lost to Tiago Moises, lost to Stevie Ray, lost to, like, <laughs> like, He's lost. He's look. The only time Michael Johnson wins if the if the guy's better than him. Let's just be. I'm just kidding. I'm totally joking. But um, but yeah, man. Michael is just one of these guys I like to stay away from. Man, I, look, I'm gonna pick him to win this fight just for the reasons you said. Faster hands, Clay Guida, Harry Chinny. Man, I, I I took Bobby against Clay his last fight. It was, but Clay, man, I was surprised by a toughness. I honestly thought Bobby would, would smack him around. I mean, he did smack him around, but you know he, he hung in there. I mean, he was on them singles hard. He was pressing the whole time. I don't know if, if Michael Johnson gets in some of them situations. I don't know why I should believe that he's gonna 
gonna, uh, you know, will through and get out of it. But one thing I want to say is Michael Johnson did leave uh, Henry Hoof. From what I hear, he's actually training at a, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu based gym, like a, a jiu-jitsu gym. So maybe he, maybe he's trying to finally address this issue with him on the ground. Uh, I'm going to pick him to win, but from a betting perspective, I'm going to kick my feet up and, and watch the two. I still consider Michael Johnson a legend. Look, I know he's lost damn near half his fights, but Michael Johnson is still, you know, knocked out Dustin, beat Tony Ferguson, whooped up on Edson Barbosa, Glayson Tebow knockout back in the day. Michael Johnson had his day. I mean, he was a top five guy at one point. Uh, then Diaz smacked him around, and it was kind of just – you know, it was downhill from there. He rebounded with Dustin, but since then it was just the Gaethje fight. Uh, yeah, I know you remember the things he was saying before, before the Gaethje fight. He kind of, <laughs> I think that, uh, I think that was the start of it, man. Once you start saying things like that, it's like, bro, like you're tripping. That's why he's losing the guys like Stevie Ray, like. Tiago Moises and shout out to Moises because I actually think he's gotten a lot better and I don't think he gets enough credit for that when I just watched that leg lock it was actually it looked pretty good but we know Michael will tap to anything so it's like Clay if you want to get in there and, and and jump for a heel hook my, my all means go ahead I, I mean I get if you want to take that shot on Clay this guy Michael Johnson lost to Stevie Ray like and got fully mounted and, and smashed on so uh, I, I'll go with Michael once again but you already you already know how I feel about this. I mean, it's interesting because we got Michael Johnson who has wins over Dustin Poirier, Tony Ferguson, Edson Barboza, and then we got Clay Guida who's got wins over Rafael Dos Anjos, Anthony Pettis, and Nate Diaz. So both these guys have beat the who's who at 155 pounds. Both guys are legends. Guida's already a Hall of Famer uh, with the Diego Sanchez fight. Um, I got nothing but good things to say. I love both these guys. Uh, it's just really about Johnson's going to control this fight until he either wins or until he either or until he pulls a stunt. So that's really what it comes down to in my eyes. Um, he should definitely be favored here as the better guy. It's just keep your head on straight for 15 minutes or for however long this fight lasts and you win. If Clay starts getting takedown, starts lacing that leg, starts sticking to him like Lou, uh, go to the live betting window and bet Clay. But pre-fight I, I gotta go with michael johnson to get it done um hopefully he does uh, don't don't fuck this one up you know so let's see co-main event of the evening in the bantamweight division we got Corey, the sandman sanhagen he's 13 and 2 and frankie the answer edgar the former lightweight champion is 24 and 8 currently they got Corey sanhagen minus 400 the comeback on frankie edgar is plus 325 so i, I gotta say this um i was pleasantly surprised with how well Frankie took the shots at 135 pounds um, in his last fight against Pedro Munoz. Like, I understand Pedro gets hit a lot, but Pedro also hits hard. I mean, Pedro knocked out Cody Garbrandt. Pedro hit Rob Font so hard that Rob Font, the guy that's known for his boxing, actually shot in on the guy with the best guillotine in the entire division. So that's how hard Pedro hits. Frankie ate those shots for five straight rounds. So I think that 135 pounds has been his right weight class this entire time. It's just now at 39 years of age, he finally made the drop. It's because when you win a belt at 55, when you're a top five guy at 45, you probably think, man, I don't need to cut any weight. I, I'm Frankie the answer, Edgar. But finally, you know, it was starting to catch up to him. He couldn't hang with those bigger guys at 45 anymore. So he dropped to 35. I like what I'm seeing. It's just that now he's got another super tough matchup here in Corey Sanhagen, who's got I mean, we call him the output king for a reason. The guy goes out there, lands almost seven strikes per minute. Very tall, switches stances nicely, his arsenal of strikes. Uh, he can go out there and paint a picture. So 
I like this kid Sanhagen a lot. The area of concern here, because look, this is not a pick em. This is not minus 200. This is minus 400. So we got to address every single concern uh, when we talk about a line this wide, Shaq. Um, the biggest concern is Corey Sanhagen's wrestling. You know, he's only got 30% takedown defense. He's been taken down a lot. Frankie Edgar, um, I mean, we're talking about a guy that not only has landed a bunch of takedowns throughout his career, but he's got experience fighting these taller guys, whether it's Yair Rodriguez, whether it's Charles Oliveira, and whether it's Max Holloway. He beat two of those guys. He went the distance with the other. And I understand that Charles Oliveira isn't the guy back then that he is today, but that's, let's not act like Charles Oliveira was some bum back then. He was still you know, a top 15, top 20 guy. It's just now he's a top three guy. So Frankie's been beating guys that I think are better than Sanhagen for a long time. It's just that now... You know, you're 39 years old. Um, you know, how long can you keep doing this kind of stuff for? So I don't know, man. If I know for a fact that Frankie's landing more than one takedown in this fight, then it might actually be a dog or pass situation. But I don't know that. And I know he gets rocked a lot. And I know on the feet, the output difference is huge. So I'm going to lean with Corey as a pick. But I... I uh, I don't blame anyone that wants to put a little bit on Frankie and see if he can test the wrestling of San Hagen. That Because I think that's his path to victory here, Shaq. Yeah, that's his only path to victory. I mean, he's got to he's got to be a uh, he's got to be a D one wrestler for this fight if he wants a chance. Hug hug him, tie him to him, glue. Because Corey Sanhagen, I'll tell you what, man. I, I watched him tape on him just recently. I, I don't want to say he's overrated, but I, I I think that he still you know needs a little bit work before we can say he's, he's a legitimate threat to the title to guys like Peter Yan. And we already saw what uh, Sterling did to him. Um, finished him in less than a minute, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, Corey Sanhagen, very good striker. I mean, the the body work, the the feints, all of that is on point, and he's high you know, range. He's probably gonna light Frankie up. I mean, with everything in the book. The thing I don't like with Sanhagen is he has this bad habit of when they get into the clinch of giving up his back, man. Like every single time, <laughs> like he's got like this habit where a sun's out picked him up and dumped him and they were on the ground for a whole round. And I mean, dude has a very loose grappling style. He likes to go for the triangles and the arm bars. Uh, he had a nice one against Mario Bautista. Yeah. So, you know, he had a nice, uh, he had a nice one against Mario Bautista, but I am kind of after, after watching Sanhagen, I mean, if Frankie comes in with that game plan and just hug his waist and, and try to wrestle, I mean, I could, I could see him possibly making this a, a sweat. I don't know about if he's going to actually win, but uh, man, Sanhagen's got a bad habit with that. I mean, every time they get into the clinch, he gives up his back. Um, and you said he had a, a what percentage takedown defense, like 30? So, 30. Um, yeah. If Frankie is, I mean, Mark Henry, I, I assume Mark Henry and these guys uh, are still good business and still uh, – some of the, I mean, Mark Henry, you already know how I, what I think about Mark. Mark, Mark is a guy that should be, you know, that's a, a stamp, a stamped guy right there. You know, my boy Mark Henry is one of the top guys in the game. So, uh, I'm gonna go with Sanhagen, but I, I, I could see Frankie making this. I mean, he's got nothing to lose. I mean, all the pressures on Sanhagen. Sanhagen has to come out here and, and you know maintain his position, his pole position for this title shot. Frankie's got nothing to lose. Frank, that's a, that's a dangerous Frankie Edgar right there. Uh, all the odds are against him. I mean, I remember back in the day when all the odds used to be against Frankie, and he would uh, and he would and he would whip these dudes' asses. So he looked good at thirty-five. I won't lie, he looked good. He ate them shots. He kept moving, but 
one thing I want to say is that fight was in one setting. You know, that fight was all Pedro moving forward and Frankie moving side to side, landing counter shots. Pedro Munoz failed to make adjustments. Pedro Munoz, his footwork is nowhere as good as Corey Sanhagen's. His weapons, I mean, his defense, everything striking. So, of course, there's a good chance that Sanhagen styles on Frankie out in space. But that wrestling, yeah, man, you're right, man. It, it needs some work because he gives up that back a lot. He definitely does. So, man, I can't wait to see if, if this line is justified, if he should be an even bigger favorite, or if it's actually a dog or pass situation. So I'm very excited. Let's uh let's see that that USA wrestling, Frankie. Main event of the evening. We got Alistair the Ream over him. He's 47 and 18, and Alexander Volkov is 32 and 8. Currently, they got Volkov minus 200 over him plus 170. So I heard a lot of people saying this might be Overeem's last fight. I don't know if there's any truth to that. Maybe there is. Maybe there there isn't. But if that's true, if there's any truth to that, and don't quote me on it, uh, just thank you, Overeem. You know, you've you're a true legend. Maybe, maybe never touched UFC gold, but to me, is a is for sure a Hall of Famer, um, and just one of the best to ever do it at heavyweight. So I got nothing but respect for Overeem. It's just in this matchup with Volkov, I think it's going to be kind of tough for him because one thing about Volkov, I used to always talk about how he's this mover. He's got this good volume style, but now he put on those 20 pounds. He weighed 265 pounds his last fight. Actually, let me check what he weighed in at today. I'm curious if he weighed in at 265. Um, there's also a chance he hasn't weighed in yet because, you know, heavyweights like to... Okay, he weighed in 264, so good. We're dealing with the big Volkov. I like him at, at 265, man. He's sitting down on his punches more. His power is translating. It's carrying over more in the heavyweight division. And he's not just that mover anymore. And, man, that performance against Walt, I know you know, Walt's going through some shit, but, like, still, the way Volkov looked, because I think he felt at, like, 245, you know, at, at that weight, he probably wasn't going to touch gold. He needed to change something up after that Blades fight. Well, he did change something up. And those 20 extra pounds – aided him tremendously i think they ate him here i think it's a fun competitive striking match until volkov lands on the chin of Overeem. and this isn't like pavlovich who i respect a lot but it's just kind of needs a little seasoning needs a little experience there's not like sakai who i also respect a lot needs a little ex experience needs a little seasoning this guy volkov's got 40 pro fights so he's in his prime right now and i think he's ready to come out here and add another knockout loss to, to Reem's uh, record, man. So I like Reem a lot. I respect him. But I'm going Volkov here. I think he outpoints him, outstrikes him, and eventually knocks him out, Shaq. Yeah, Reem is a very clever guy. He set up Sakai. He kind of gave Sakai that that uh, false sense that he was winning the fight, but you know he was just getting Sakai to dump his energy load. And if Reem's ground and pound is right up there. I don't hear Alistair's name. Too much when we talk about top ground and pound guys in the sport, but that ground and pound is money because Pavlovich, I mean, that was so much ground and pound I've ever seen in Sakai uh, as well. So, Alistair Overeem, ton of respect for that guy. I honestly thought this fight was a little wide in terms of the line until I saw the Walt Harris fight again. Um, I was like, man, he looks super big. Walt Harris, you know, maybe not be on that level of Overeem, considering Overeem also beat him, but we, we know what happened in that fight. Overeem got rocked several times, but was able to uh, get Walt to gas out and was able to capitalize on that ground game. But Volkov, I mean, his forward pressure six seven. those teeps to the body, I do feel like he can can frustrate Reem, and I feel like he has a, a good, like, fundamental base to, like, probably not make some of these mistakes that these other guys have been making. Um, I feel like he's much more seasoned than Jarzina Rome's, uh, 
Rosen strike at the time of when uh, him and Overeem fight, who still knocked Alistair out. I know Alistair was winning that entire fight, but um, I feel like Volkov's game in the clinch. And one thing I want to bring about that Blades fight, man, I respect that his performance in that fight because I've always been, able, I've always said that if your name's not Francis or uh, Stipe, you're probably not beating Curtis. And I like the heart that he showed in that fight because usually Curtis gets on these dudes and I mean, he, he grounds and pounds them, smashes them, and, and the fight's over. But I mean, Volkov hung in there. Even I think there was a he, he one, two rounds on, on a, maybe one card, but it was a 10 8 first round, I believe. So it was a respectable performance. He got Curtis. I mean, Curtis could barely talk in the post fight interview. He was, he was that tired from trying to grab Volkov. So now the fact that he's 265, I think it's a good sign for him. So yeah, I, I agree. I see him getting this win. Alistair's a legend and you can never say count Alistair out because he is that smart. He's been around for so long. He finds ways to reinvent himself to, to keep up with the times. Now he's training in Colorado. I know Alistair has a reputation for being a, a bit of a gym switcher, but at the same time, I mean, look look where it's gotten them. I mean, not so many dudes in the UFC got more money than Alistair. So um, I, I'm going to go with uh, Alexander Volkov. But, you know, is the value gone? Who knows, man? I, I see Volkov winning, though, man. The way he looked against Harris, I was like, man, this dude's big and tall now. and He's got the power. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, should be uh, one hell of a fight. No questions asked. And I, I like that. Volkov went out there. He got taken down by Blades 14 times. He comes back in that fourth round. He takes he takes Blades down, you know. And um, like you said, Reem does have some great ground and pound. So, actually, I think Reem's path to victory. Get this to the mat. Try to hold him there because that's where Volkov has historically had issues. But I think, I think Volkov's been getting better in that area, man. So, five rounds. I think he's going to find his opening at some point. So, may the best man win. Well, Shaq, now we got to talk about the fight to watch. And the fighter to watch. So I'll take it first. The fight to watch. For me, you already know the fight to watch is Benil Darius versus Diego Ferreira. Fights a dead pick -em. Two dark horses in the lightweight division. Winner not only extends their win streak. I mean, Diego will make it seven. Darius will make it six. But they're going to go right there into the top ten. And the next fight could be, you know, one or two away from that elusive UFC title shot. So and not only that. This should be all violence while it lasts. So for that reason, Benil versus Diego is my fight to watch. Well, Shaq, what is your fight to watch for UFC Vegas 18? My fight to watch is going to be in the flyweight division. I want to see the debut of this guy, Manel Cape. They've been hyping him up for a long time. He's finally here. It's been a while since he last fought, too, maybe a couple of years or so. Pantoja, I mean, if he... He's, he's right up there in terms of most exciting flyweight, right up there with the Davisons and the Morenos. Pantoja, we, he's got two wins over Moreno. Uh, I mean, just go to his, uh, his, Twitter, his Twitter page, and, he, and he, you know, he likes to ask Moreno who's daddy occasionally. But, you know, he, he gotta, his, he's got to chill out, though, because he's, <laughs> he's got a tough test. But, you know, uh, I, I, I think that's the fight to watch. The flyweight division keeps proving that. They, I mean, that, that, like, in terms of rising talent, look at all the up-and-comers that they got in that division. You got Jimmy Flick, Manel Capes in the mix, Mateus Nicolau is back. Um, oh, I mean, just look at all Piva. the exciting fights. That, Piva. Uh, the, what's the kid that just beat uh, the guy that Piva beat? Um, little, uh, what's the, the, where's he from? Um, he just beat uh, Zalgas. Um, oh, Albazi. Uh, Albazi. Um, 
I mean, it's just Sumajari. I mean, that division is, is filled with prospects at the current uh, at the time. You got Little Figueredo as well. The flyweight division is is in business, and I and I hate to take a shot at DJ, but the division is just is so deep now. You know that he's gone. <laughs> Man, I kind of wish he'd come back so that they could uh, show him what this new generation looks like. Because you already know what happens <laughs> when long reigning champions try to get their belt back. Rarely ever works. So I kind of wish that they'd bring him back um, so we could really see what's what in 2021. But that's neither here nor there. For me, my fighter to watch is Devante King Cage Smith. This is a guy who had massive hype when he first came into the UFC. I mean, they matched him up with Desi. They matched him up with Trinaldo even. Both those fights fell through. He was matched up with fucking Trinaldo two fights into his UFC career, Shaq. That's the kind of high expectations and high hopes they had for Smith. Had the unfortunate setback, the injury, the loss in his family. Let's see how he bounces back here. He's got a very winnable matchup. So I, I, I don't want to see him kind of coast to a decision. I, I want to see him put this guy away and restamp his claim as one of the top prospects at lightweight. And so let's see if he does it. Uh, Devontae Smith is my fighter to watch. Who is your fighter to watch, Shaq? My fighter to watch is going to be O'Day Osborne. I know that he let a lot of people down in his debut, and he said some outlandish things in, a, in his pre-fight speech. He said, you're going to... You're going to, five years from now, we're going to say Connor was on the O'Day Osborne card. Look, I think the oh kid God. got seriously, seriously sidetracked before that fight, was feeling himself. Now with this layoff, look, he's he's trying to make an attempt to be in the flyweight division. Uh, if you're going to be in the flyweight picture, you need to beat Jerome Rivera. So I want to see how he does, because I think there is some talent there with the speed, the power, the athleticism. Um, but he's got to redeem himself. Let's see what he does. I think he's the very first fight of the night, so let's see how he opens this uh, this this fight card up. Yes, sir. Well, good shit. Well, we want to thank all our fans for taking the time to check out this very special edition of Half the Battle. Thank you guys so much. Uh, make sure you all give us a like on this video and subscribe to the Half the Battle YouTube channel. We truly appreciate it. You can follow Shaq at MMA Genius 5 You can follow me at Best Fight Picks. You can go to bestfightpicks.com for the plays. Um, subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, all the places where we are available. Check out our, our sponsor, Manscaped, at manscaped.com. Use that promo code BATTLE20 for 20% off and free shipping. Uh, we'll be back next week. I hear we got eight straight weeks of fights. So I look forward to talking more fights with you, Shaq. Uh, I know the fans are excited about that. So we'll be going live for every single event coming up. Um, Again, uh, follow Shaq MMA Genius 05, Shaq BFP on IG, me at Best Fight Picks. Also, I've been doing some other written work for Line Movement, so check them out at linemovement.com and check us out at bestfightpicks.com. So thank you guys very much for your time. Again, give us a like and a subscribe. Enjoy the fights. We'll speak soon. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.